Welcome to the Making Room Podcast. This is the place where we will discover together what it means to clear out the closets of our lives, both figuratively and literally, to make room for the freedom that abounds in a growing, thriving relationship with Jesus. Whether you need to make room for relationships, growth as a leader, your family, God, or you just need to clean out the recesses of your attic, we are here. Making room is a journey, and we hope you will go with us. In this episode, we're going to be talking about making room for recreation. So I looked up the definition um, to recreation, and here's what it is. An activity of leisure, leisure being discretionary time. The need to do something for recreation is an essential element of human biology and psychology. Recreational activities are often done for enjoyment, amusement, or pleasure and considered to be fun. So, Crystal, when we think about recreation, when you think about your life and what you and David do, or even you and the boys do, how do you do recreation? Uh, well, for us, it's taken on, I think in different seasons of your life, it takes on a different uh, face a little bit because, you know, when the boys were young, we, we rode bikes and, you know, all those kind of things and, uh, played in the sandbox. And so that for us was fun. I mean, that's what we did with the guys that are our boys as they were growing up, they loved those kind of things. And so, um, video games, you know, in a different season, um, and, and then family time as well. So we, we had some things that we loved to do, certain vacations we'd like to take. Um, we love to canoe uh, or kayak. And so we did that a lot as the boys got a little bit older. And now that we're empty nesters, our garage has had to make room for paddle boards, kayaks, bikes. I bought a bike, Kristen, this week. I didn't even tell you. We yeah. bought a bike. Um, oh. Uh, or David got me a bike actually for my birthday. And so I think it's starting to look different for us. We do, we really love to hike though. And so do our boys. Um, and so it's basically getting outside and making the space to just get out of the house and enjoy outdoors and laugh and have a good time. And, and, and our, our boys love to laugh. Um, we joke that they all three of my boys, my husband and our two sons have the spiritual gift of sarcasm. So there is a lot of laughter when everybody's together. Um, so yeah, that, and it, like I said, it, it's looked different in different seasons for us. And I think that's, I think that's part of the journey that we don't stop. We just continue to make room for that whatever that looks like. So what about you guys? Well, um, we the same like we like to be outside so we bought a boat about i don't know maybe eight years ago we're on boat number three now because you buy a small boat and then you fall in love with what what boating does the life that it brings to your family how your kids like my everybody in our family sacrifices to get on the boat right like we all want to be there we all cancel our things we all plan it into our schedule we get up early we get things ready the girls now that they're teenagers they're they ask me like what's the limit how many people can i have on saturday and sometimes like ella has more people other times addie has more people we sometimes have to share because uh, not everybody can come every time and so uh, buying a boat was one of the ways that we intentionally made room uh, recreation wasn't 
coming naturally for a family with both of us in full-time ministry at that point in time, working at a mega church and having two small children, there was just always something to do. And I remember having a mentor in my life who uh, Dave wanted to buy a boat and I was just like, no, the kids are young. Like, I don't, it feels like a lot of work. I don't know anything about boating. That feels scary. And I just had a mentor who looked at me in the middle of that conversation, like, let your husband buy the boat. <laughs> and it was some of the best advice that I had ever gotten was like, surrender to this and let your husband buy the boat. And I have since then said that to many people uh, who have come back to me, some of them, like um, when they're trying to learn to dock the boat, they're like, you said this would be good for our marriage. <laughs> like, uh, docking the boat is not good for anybody's marriage. The pieces are great. Um, so recreation for us really has taken on a different meaning since we found something that we love to do together. Like you and the boys and David, you always are going hiking and you're always sending me pictures of, look at the space that we found today. Look at uh, rubbing it in a little bit that your lake is just a little bit nicer than any of the lakes that we go to around here. <laughs> look at how beautiful this is. And so uh, it's obviously a value because it's something that you make room for, which is the reason that we're talking about this today is recreation doesn't happen on accident. Like you're not going to accidentally uh, start having fun um, as adults because the world that we live in, it teaches quite the opposite. It keeps us busy and it keeps us running. There are things to be done. There are mountains to climb. There are job titles to earn. And so uh, we have to be productive with our time and, and what the world leads us to believe oftentimes is that fun and production don't go together, but they, that they are counterintuitive. They come against each other. If I'm having fun, then I'm not being productive. And so yeah. that's, one of the, that's one of the reasons why we need to talk about making room for recreation. I feel like we used to come by it easier that it just happened naturally, but what I have felt like is that in this particular season, we have to be a little bit more intentional with it, about planning for it, about setting aside Sabbath and rest and days off and being protective of that time, um, and also just the intentionality of not wasting the days away sitting on the couch watching Netflix, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I'm all about a good Netflix binge. But what I am saying is that I, it's important and it's healthy for you to be intentional with that, be protective of that, and make the time to do it. Because if you're, care, if you're not careful, your year gets away from you and you've done nothing to have some intentional fun with your family. Yeah, and it's funny that you would say that it, it comes more natural because I'll say the opposite is true for me. Like I'm, a, I'm an achiever on the Enneagram. I'm a three. And so it, it doesn't come natural for me to have fun. Like it comes natural for me to work hard. And until I was able to change my mind on what fun and recreation actually did for my life and for the life of the people around me, until I was able to see that as a productive work, I had a really hard time in embracing it. I just remember having a, a season where the Lord was really speaking to me about the level of responsibility that I had in my life and the amount of work that I was doing. And I, I remember him, I, I felt like the father had said, I want you to go and have fun. And at that season in my life, I, I was like, I don't even know what I would do. 
Like I, I had so, I had gotten so far away from having fun because I was so driven into the production of working for Jesus that I wasn't having fun uh, with the, the life that he had given me. And so I signed up to play in a soccer league because I couldn't think like what, what was fun for me? Well, I spent my whole childhood playing soccer. I love soccer. It, it's brought life to me for so many years. And so I signed up to play in an adult soccer league, which was um, equally fun and terrifying all at the same time. Uh, and <laughs> I, I just remember one night a week turned into two nights a week because I would get called to sub and, and I began to have fun and I began to enjoy myself, which uh, had a lot to do with my identity. And yeah. it, was, it was a season of learning like a child that really trusts her father can stop working and have fun because she truly believes that he cares about the life that he has given her. Yeah. And that one of the most productive things I could do as a daughter of, of the King is to enjoy the space that he's put me in. And one of the most uh, productive ways I can shine and share the kingdom of God is to have a life that other people want. Right. Nobody wants a, the life of a person who works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, even if you're working and doing really good things, like it, it's not appealing. Yeah. Yeah. So and I think you bring up a good point is a lot of this that we're talking about does have a lot to do with your personality type and, and, and how driven you are and those kind of things. And I think be, in the season of our life, when it came more naturally, it was because when our kids were little, little kids make you want, I mean, that's all they want to do is have fun. So it's kind of like they push you to that place. And so they, you get home from work and they, can we go for a bike ride? Can we, you know, so you, you do that. And I think as you get older and so for David and I, it's had to be this intentional thought process because you can let, when you're an empty nester, you can let work life just completely eat up your days. And not even as an empty nester, when our boys were in college and away from home, you begin to fill up your days really quickly. And if you're not careful, there, there is no room left to have fun and you're just working till the next day. And so it's just one of those things. And I think too, with your personality types, um, allowing God in that space, not just saying, this is who I am. I'm a driven person and this is how I'm going to function in life, but allowing God into that space to help you understand. And we see it in scripture over and over again, that charge towards Sabbath, toward rest, and even watching the life of Jesus, that he made space for that. Yeah. Well, and if you look at, at Jesus, he's all the time talking about welcoming the kingdom of heaven, welcoming into the kingdom of heaven, all of the children. And yeah. then if we can't walk in like children, then we can't fully receive what he has for us. And he, in fact, in Mark 10, it talks about uh, where he's, he's talking to a large crowd. He's like, whoever does not receive the kingdom like a child will actually not enter in. Mm -hmm. And in 16, it says, then the Lord Jesus opened his arms and played with the children. Yeah. And the idea of like, what is it about children? Well, they, they naturally, instinctively want to have fun. Right. They enter into spaces with the first thought in their mind, how is this going to be fun? How do I make this fun? That's just not what, as we've grown up, we actually enter into our spaces differently. Yeah. But this is telling his, the people that are listening, like the way into the kingdom of heaven is to have the mind of a child. Like he's a really good dad and he's yeah. provided a really, uh, 
amazing opportunity for us to enter into this space that he has prepared for us. And the way in is with a childlike mind, with a childlike heart. It's, it's dancing and laughing and it's full of joy and release. It's not pressure. It's not working. It's not striving. It's yeah. resting and abiding. And so like our ability to uh, embrace a life of recreation and make room for Sabbath and for rest and for fun and for laughter, like that's a direct reflection of the way that we've learned to enter into the kingdom and how often we do it. Yeah. I remember. So last summer it was the pandemic, right? We, this time last year we were um, starting shutdowns and all of the things, which is crazy to me. But um, as soon as the water was warm enough, really before the water was warm enough, we were out on the boat. We had wetsuits and we were learning <laughs> to surf in wetsuits, which was something I never knew I was going to do. Uh-huh. And yet at the same time, my family, we've planted this church and we have this responsibility for the kingdom. And I remember like, you know, time and space is weird in the middle of the pandemic. Like sometimes we were working and sometimes we weren't working and everything was flipped upside down. So there was a lot of like, are we going to boat today? Or are we going to work today? Like, what are we going to do today? And what are we allowed to do? And what does our schedule, uh, how is church happening this weekend? Are we going to be live on Facebook? Are we going to be in person? Like what, what's happening? And I was driving to the church one day because it was actually a day that I needed to get some work done uh, because the Lord has called us to be productive, right? We are called to work. Uh, mm-hmm. And I remember Dave calling like, Hey, the guys want to go out on the boat. Can you be finished by one o'clock? And like, mind you, it's 10 o'clock. Yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah, I think I can. But like Dave, seriously, at some point in time, we have to stop having so much fun and we do have to get some stuff done. And (laughs) we laughed and we were laughing because it was such a different, like the, 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 uh, the paradigm had just shifted so much in our lives that now, like we used to have to make room to have fun. And now we're having a conversation where we're going to have to make room to do work. And the only way that that has been able to shift in our our lives is that we made room to enter into recreation. And that recreation has actually changed who we are. And thus it has made us more productive uh, when we're working. So like our work is from a place of uh, rest and recreation and and so we work from a place of life uh, rather than so oftentimes what happens in, in our lives is people, they work, 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 and then they're forced into a, a season of rest because they're so tired that they have to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I heard the statement like uh, work for your rest instead of, or, or rest for your work, not yeah. rest from your work. So it's, we rest so that we are more productive instead of needing, instead of working so much that we have to rest in order to be productive. Yes. Well, how do you like, how do you even recognize that you are working for your rest instead of working from your rest? Like what, what would be one way that you recognize that? I recognize it because I am mentally and emotionally exhausted. And I think, and you can recognize that in yourself, you know, how you function best. And when you are mentally and emotionally exhausted and you can't put two sentences together without feeling like you're about to lose your mind, because I, I remember, you know, moments where 
I just, I felt like my skin was crawling. Like if one more person asked me for, to do anything else for them, I was going to lose it. And to me, that's a sign of, and you get your edgy, you're on yep. edge with your family, um, all of those things. And so I think that's the moment that you really begin to see, oh, I am, I'm needing rest from my work. I'm not resting for it. I know that I, I see it sometimes in my observation of my kids, like their response to me. For instance, if I'm working and they're walking into my space and I'm holding my finger up to them or I'm acting annoyed that they're interrupting my whatever it is that I'm doing and what, what it causes me to do is question like, do I need some space? Do I need some space with my family? Are, are they getting my attention? Are they getting the best of me? And uh, or are they just getting like what's left of me at the end of the day? And so sometimes I just can pay attention to other people's responses to my level of production. And that can tell me, kind of help me calibrate where I'm at and what I need. Am I really working from a place of rest or do I need to rest from the work that I've been doing? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I think I think we have to be, we, again, we go back every episode to that idea of being aware. And even in this aspect of our lives with recreation, I think it's written and we've talked about rest in a previous episode as well, but I think it's really important to be self-aware enough that you see in yourself when you are living a life that is no fun. I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, and also I mean, let's just, let's, let's acknowledge that with joy comes strength and the scripture tells us that. And so from that place, when I can find things that bring joy to my heart, that there's a, that's a place of strength and that's, that's a good place to dwell. Yes. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine. We were sitting around a table doing discipleship huddle stuff and her, her comment was, Jesus is just always so serious. And it kind of caught me off guard for a minute because I've learned to know him differently than that, although that was how I used to know him. And what I realized is finding the fun in Jesus, it's a little, it takes a little reading between the lines because the Bible is a historical book and it's not right. a novel. And though right. there's stories in it, like those stories are, are in there to create and to build this history of, of who, what, when, where, why, and how, all, all of the historical things. And so we sort of have to read a little more into what it is and, and be a little, have a little bit of a childlike imagination when we're reading the stories. Like, uh, for example, one of my favorite ways that I think Jesus had fun is in Mark 6, where he's with his disciples and they're doing ministry and it's getting late. And remember the disciples, they, uh, most of them were really well-established fishermen. Like they knew the water, they knew what to do, and they knew that it's getting late and they needed to go. In order to make it from one shoreline to the next shoreline, they needed to get in the boat. It was time to leave. And so they're coming to Jesus like, hey, listen, we got to go. Like we got to send these people home and we have to go. And Jesus is like, okay, get in the boat. I'm going to go up and spend some time with my father and I'll meet you on the other side. Now, we're not then told what goes on in their minds. What, what are they? Are you crazy? Like, how are you there? Are you going to jump on a jet plane and get to the other side? Like they have no idea how Jesus is actually going to do what he's going to do, but they get in the boat and they leave. And Jesus spends some time praying with his father. And eventually we are told that he realizes it's late and he needs to go to the other side of the shore, other side of the lake. And so he decides, I'm just going to walk on the water. 
right? I'm just going to, I'm just going to walk right by. And it says in verse 48 of Mark six, he came to them walking on the sea and he intended to pass them by. Now, this is like what my husband would do. (laughs) Hey, there's all my family in the boat, but I'm just going to walk right by. I'm going to beat them to shore. Like there's a little bit of a playfulness in this. Now, like we have to read a little bit between the lines to wonder like, what was Jesus actually doing? What were his intentions? We don't know what we don't know, but we also know like we do those kinds of things, right? Have you ever been in the car and someone's like walking to get in the door and you just sort of back it up a little bit? And then you just back yeah. it up a little bit. And then you just back it and your kids are like, come on. Like, <laughs> you're so annoyed, but like you're being playful and you're, you're having fun in the moment. And like, I just wonder if Jesus intended to pass them by to just sort of like, Hey guys, what's up? And then get to the <laughs> other side and sort of welcome them to shore. Uh-huh. Uh, we all know the story, right? In, in that moment, Simon Peter Solomon, he was like, Hey, that looks like fun. I want to go out there and do that. And So it turns into this moment of ministry and moment of teaching. But what we see when we look a little bit deeper into this story is I think Jesus liked to have fun. Like, I think he liked to laugh with his guys. And I think he liked to do things that were playful. And I think walking by them on the water, like, peace out, guys, I'm going to go this way. I think that was enjoyable. And I think he probably chuckled at himself as he came up with the idea to just do that. And like, we get to see a playful side of Jesus when we sort of dig into uh, what the stories of the gospel with his disciples, uh, what they actually tell us. And when we sort of begin to imagine what that would have been like to be with a group of of adults uh, sitting around tables and telling stories and casting out demons and healing the sick and multiplying the fish. Like were, was there fun involved in that? There had to be because large crowds of people followed them and people don't follow things that don't look endearing, that don't look fun, that aren't exciting. They, they don't give up their lives for those things. Right. Right. And you know, and that's, People love to laugh. They enjoy that. They, and, and it becomes this medicine for your soul. I, I use that, that, um, little statement that it's salve for your soul. It's a bomb for your soul. And it really does help to heal you. And I think people for, for a minute, you can set aside maybe the hard that's going on in your life and laugh with people. And that's good for you. And um, nothing works faster or more dependably to bring your mind and body back into balance than a good laugh. Um, it kind of lightens your burdens, inspires hope and connects you to others. And it keeps you grounded and focused and alert. And it also helps you to release some anger and also just to forgive a little bit sooner when you really can laugh at yourself. Um, so, and just in talking about that, let's talk about laughter being good for your health. And, um, Kristen, I think you found this in an, in an article and I read this article before as well, but just some points of how laughter is good for your health is it relaxes your whole body. Laughter relaxes your whole body. So a good hearty laugh can actually relieve physical tension and stress and it leaves your muscles relaxed for up to 45 minutes after. Wow. <laughs> that I could do that instead of stretching after a workout. I know, right? <laughs> and then also, so not only does laughter relax the whole body, but laughter boosts the immune system. So, and 
let's talk about the fact that we've been in the middle of a pandemic. So if this boosts our immune system, why not do it? I mean, do this and and get the vaccine and let's see what happens. Um, laughter, it just it decreases your stress hormones and it increases your immune cells and also the infection fighting antibodies. So because of that, it improves your resistance to disease. So too bad we can't just bottle laughter and that could be, that could be what cures COVID. Wouldn't that be fun? Okay, anyways. Uh, it relaxes the whole body. It's good for your immune system. Laughter also triggers the release of endorphins. So endorphins are the body's natural feel-good kind of chemicals, and they this promotes an overall sense of well-being. And also, interestingly enough, it can temporarily relieve pain. Um, so kind of like a natural Tylenol. Also, laughter protects the heart. It improves the function of blood vessels, and it, it also increases um, the blood flow, which can help protect you against a heart attack and also other cardiovascular problems. So there you go. I should tell my heart doctor that. Um, laughter burns calories. So it's not a replacement for going to the gym. I know, bad news. <laughs> Sorry about that. But one study found that laughing for 10 to 15 minutes a day can actually burn approximately 40 calories. Well, shoot, that's only like one piece of bacon. Okay, which that could be enough, but- I mean, that's what I can get. Every bit helps, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it could be enough, they say, to help you lose three or four pounds over the course of a year. I'll take three or four pounds over a year. Yes, yes and amen. <laughs> All right. So laughter also lightens anger's heavy load. Um, let's just be honest that nothing diffuses anger and conflict faster than a shared laugh. And sometimes we really don't want to laugh. We'd rather be angry. Um, so if looking at the funny side can put problems into perspective and enable you to move on from confrontations and from maybe holding on to bitterness and resentment a little past when you should. So I have to tell you a story that's coming to my mind. So okay, go ahead. I have this thing about my whole family. They think that the best place for their shoes is right in the back door. Yeah. And that's not a great place for your shoes. Right. And I've asked the girls to pick up their Crocs a hundred times. And I, I had just had it with their shoes this particular day. And I remember I was just so angry. Like, come on guys, this is not that hard. Like, I, I don't ask you to do very much. Like, why can't you just put these shoes where they go? Like I even bought a cute little bin, like put them in the bin. I'm not asking you to carry them upstairs, <laughs> put them in the bin. It's not that hard. And Ella said something, I don't remember what she said, but it was some comment that I didn't like. And it's a crock, right? So like, it's this little lightweight shoe. And yeah. I took that shoe and I meant, to, and I'm just trying to throw it upstairs, right? So yeah. I go to throw it upstairs and I like launch it up the steps and it hits Addy right in the head. <laughs> <laughs> and Ella, no one knew what to do. Cause like, I'm relatively angry and I'm throwing a shoe because I'm angry, not because I'm trying to be playful, but then I just hit the kid that didn't do anything in the head with it. And Ella wanted to laugh and I wanted to laugh and Addie was on the floor dying. Dying. And all of a sudden, like this moment, like we just started laughing. I'm like, you just pick up your shoes, guys. And I'm just cracking yeah. because we're in the middle of this heated argument. And yeah. I did something 
stupid and it turned into something really funny and because I could let go of my need to like be angry in that moment and embrace the laughter of my kids it actually turned into a really healing moment now it didn't mean that they picked up their shoes anymore because it didn't <laughs> change that at all right but it, exactly. it left that load for the moment yeah yeah and it can do that it's just sometimes we have to let go of our need to be angry in order to laugh so just yeah, like totally yeah so also last thing, laughter can even help you live longer. So there's this study that was done in Norway and it found that people with a strong sense of humor outlived those who don't laugh as much. So the difference was also particularly notable for those battling cancer. So laughter really is a good medicine and I am up for maybe another year longer to live. Yeah. That's right. So I was thinking like, how do we make room for recreation? What does laughter and fun look like for us? And a few simple ways to do that this week. I just want to challenge everybody that's listening this week. Will you make room to smile? Yeah. You have your face. You're having fun. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, will you make room to count your blessings? So remember all of the good things that you have in your life, all of the things that are, are yes things, good news. Will you find fun people and spend time with them? Find people who laugh, mm -hmm. find people who smile, find people who, who have a good time and put yourself in proximity with them because yeah. it's contagious. Yeah. Uh, when you hear laughter, move towards it. Don't move away from it because you have so many things to do. If somebody in the other office is laughing while you're working, stop working and go laugh for a little bit. I promise when you come back to your work, A, it will still be there, yeah. but B, you will come back overflowing in some uh, supernatural ability to do it differently, to yeah. get up and move towards the laughter in your office. Uh, five, be sure to laugh at yourself. Yesterday, actually, we were getting ready to go to soccer practice and Dave was sitting on the counter. We were having this like serious conversation about something uh, that we're stepping into and Adeline's right there beside me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to go. We're going to be late. And I turned and I ran right into the screen door. <laughs> <laughs> we just all started laughing. We just all started dying laughing because I almost took the whole thing down. Like I hit it so hard. <laughs> Adeline takes out her phone and starts recording. Thank God she didn't record when I ran into the screen door. So like, we just had a moment and it was just good for our souls. Like laughing at yourself is so good for your soul. And uh, the last thing is this, don't dwell on the negative. Like there is bad news all the time. There's always going to be bad news present, but God is always present and at work and God is good news. And essentially for every bad news situation right next to that, there's a good news story happening. And so choosing to recognize bad news, but reposition yourself in a place of good news, of lighthearted, I'm going to believe in the invitation that is before me. Uh, so being able to not dwell in that place of bad news. And so uh, thinking about these six things uh, and going into your next week after listening to this, I just want to challenge, like, I want to challenge people to make room to do these. Yeah. So uh, ask yourself the question, how am I making room for recreation this week? And where is the fun in our schedule? And how are you planning to laugh? So all of those things, those three questions can really be helpful for you in the process of making room for recreation. So we're excited you're on this journey with us and a new episode will drop every two weeks. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook to find out more about our families and how we are making room in our lives. 
And you can find out even more by going over to our website at www.makingroompodcast.com and subscribing. You can find out how to follow us in the description of this podcast. Have a great week. And remember, Making Room is all about freedom, living freely and lightly in rest, reconnection, and restoration. See you next week.